On this episode of Weddings for a Living, we discuss wedding music and how you can create the soundtrack for your client's wedding. Hello, I'm Debbie Quain. You're listening to another episode of WeddingsForAliving.com. Well, that's the website. The show is Weddings for a Living. This is an online talk show for you if you are an aspiring or an active professional wedding planner. The whole goal of this show is to help you as you go through planning weddings for a living. And today, I want to talk about something that I've been meaning to talk about for years. Can you imagine it's been on the back burner that long? And that's wedding music. So... Music really drives an event. If you've ever shown up at a special event, a party, a gala, and you arrive there and there's no music playing, it's almost as though you've arrived too soon. You're there too early. And if the music is playing, that then sets the mood. You kind of get a, a teaser of what's to come, a foretaste of what's to come. So setting the wedding to music is an important factor for your client's wedding. And as a professional wedding planner, you want to make sure that you're in a position to help them do that. And the first thing I would suggest doing is that you have to encourage your clients to select the music they love. There's a lot of rules, and I'm doing air quotes when I say rules, as to what should be played and what should be heard at a wedding. But I think it's important that the music matches who your clients are. I mean, the music can match the wedding location. So, for example, if there's a beach wedding, maybe 60s surfer music is the is the soundtrack that's heard. Or if it's a Hawaiian wedding, maybe you your clients include the Hawaiian wedding song at the ceremony. Music can also honor the religious backgrounds of your clients. So maybe it's music they grew up hearing in synagogue or singing in church or chanting in temple. Music can celebrate ethnicity. For a Scottish wedding couple, a bagpiper or including the tarantella at an Italian wedding. So it's really important, I think, that the wedding reflects who your clients are and music plays a big part of that. So the main parts of any wedding include a wedding ceremony and the wedding reception. So let's talk a little bit about the wedding ceremony. When it comes to selecting music, even though I highly, highly, what am I going to say? <laughs> even though I, I strongly urge you to get your clients to, to get their a, a true sense of who they are, in the music, you always want to defer to the venue, to the person that's operating the venue for guidelines and music decisions. And if it doesn't come down to venue, it may come down to the efficient, depending on where the wedding ceremony is taking place. You've got to find out what's allowed. And also, as just as important, if not more so, what is not allowed. So, for example, what may seem to be traditional may not be permitted. So, like, the the... the the wedding, the, the, the wedding, the bridal chorus, the, which is sort of the Here Comes the Bride, is something that many of us associate with weddings. But that song that is, isn't allowed in every single situation. And you want to make sure also that there are no restrictions with regard to the sound or the volume levels. That plays a part, too. But really what I'm referring to here is the type of song. So if it's a religion, if it's a house of worship, then the secular song may not be permitted. So you want to make sure you find that out first. 
Okay. Then we kind of jump back to the clients and find out, you know, how formal do they want the, the, the soundtrack? And when I say soundtrack, of course, I'm referring to the music for the wedding, right? How formal do they want the soundtrack to be? What's the style of music, music that they want? religious selections only or religious plus a few secular or completely secular. And I don't want to assume, but let me make sure I explain that a secular selection means non-religious at all, sort of commonplace, nothing to do with religion at all. And it, whatever their whatever their their selections are, whatever their options are, it's good to have a cohesive sound. It doesn't mean that all everything has to be the same, but it needs to sort of flow. And things to ask your clients, so, you know, do they have any must-play songs? So is there a favorite hymn? Or is there a song that was playing maybe on their first date? See if there's a way to incorporate that into the wedding ceremony. And if it's not permitted to be played at the wedding ceremony for whatever reason, then there's a chance, of course, to play that at the wedding reception. So again, encourage your client's personal style into the ceremony music. And a lot of times I have found that the music becomes an afterthought. And I think sometimes the ceremony in general becomes an afterthought. And really the ceremony is the wedding. It's the only required part for two people to be married is the ceremony. So encourage your clients to, to put some thought into this. Just to give you a Debbie moment here, when I was planning a destination wedding um, in the Caribbean, uh, I had the couple that were getting married were religious not overtly so, but wanted to have elements um, with, with, with regard to the soundtrack for their wedding incorporated. And they were getting married on the beach in the Caribbean. And what we wound up doing was we found a children's choir from a local church. And they sang during the wedding ceremony. It was beautiful. I mean, I was boohooing like you wouldn't believe. So the children were in uniform there in their uniform and singing the hymns. So it was, we incorporated the location um, and it, you know, it's it, with the Caribbean and, and the kids in the uniform, it was just beautiful, but we still managed to get part of the, the, the couple's wishes involved included there. So here are the ceremony parts that you want to consider for music. When you're thinking about music within a ceremony, it varies of course, depending on the religious, the religion of the couple, but, these are the main ceremony parts. We've got the prelude, the processional, the interlude, the recessional, and the postlude. So the prelude is seating music. It's the music that sets the mood for the ceremony as the guests arrive. Remember how we talked about at the beginning, you don't want to arrive at an event and it's completely silent. So the prelude should be playing for at least 30 minutes beforehand. So if it's a three o'clock wedding, from 2.30 on, the music prelude should be playing and just background music playing for 30 having a 30 minutes worth of music available to be played is good an hour is better an hour's worth is better just in case ceremony starts late which wedding ceremonies have a tendency to do but if not then whatever's played for the first 30 minutes would just repeat for the you know again just just loop over again then the next element that you want to focus on for, for music for the wedding ceremony is the processional. And this is the music that's played as the wedding party walks down the aisle. So typically this begins with the appearance of the celebrant and the groom. And I'm speaking about a heterosexual wedding. That's what I know and that's what I'm used to saying. Of course, if it's a same-sex wedding, your clients may be identified differently. But 
for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with bride and groom. So typically once the celebrant walks in, it may not be, and a lot of times that doesn't happen with fanfare, but if there's a change in music, that's what people, uh, 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 it's a signal that something is happening. So if you wait for the groom and the celebrant to make their appearance, whether they are walking down the aisle or come, uh, appearing at the altar from the side, the music, the processional music should begin there. And this should be a majestic piece that's easy to walk to. And then the prelude, act, excuse me, the processional music ends when all the wedding party are at the altar. Now, the processional music, the procession, I keep saying processional music. Processional is the music. It describes the music. A lot of times you'll hear someone use the term processional to mean the the actual movement, the, the the process of the wedding party moving in. That's actually called the procession. The processional is actually the music. So I don't need to say profession, processional music. Like I'm saying, it's, it's, it's double. So the processional ends when all the wedding party at the altar, but it may be segmented. So traditionally, the mothers of the bride, the mothers, the mother of the bride and the groom are seated. And this is part of the process of the procession. So, there may be something different for when the seating of the, for the seating of the mothers and then another type of processional for the wedding party coming down the aisle. It may be something different for when the groom enters with the celebrant, but it's totally up to your clients how they want to do that. But you want to present that as an option too. So following the processional, it's the bride's entrance. And this is typically fanfare music. And this just so you know, in case you didn't realize, this is the most important music selection of the entire ceremony. So keep that in mind. So again, typically fanfare music and the bride's entrance ends when the bride arrives at the altar. The next segment of music for the wedding ceremony is the interlude. And this is really music that just fills in any gaps during the ceremony. So if there's a lighting of the unity candle, if there's holy communion, typically for a Catholic church. And then the recessional is the music that's played once the wedding ceremony is officially over and the couple and the wedding party is leaving. They're leaving, going back down the aisle. And this should be upbeat and triumphant music that indicates that the party's about to begin, which it is, which is the wedding reception. And then once the recessional is over, the, the last part of music that's played is the postlude. And this is the background music that's played as wedding guests are leaving the wedding ceremony site. If in doubt, not sure if you if there you're not quite sure what music should be played for the postlude, then just play repeat the music that was played for the prelude. So those are the segments for the wedding ceremony. Now I know we I said we were talking about the wedding ceremony, but I'm gonna jump over to wedding reception to talk a bit about the elements for the wedding reception. So let's just get that out of the way. So the order of the wedding reception activities vary depending upon where your clients are located and where your, your client's ethnicity and their religious background. Typically, the first noticeable segment that requires music is the entrance of the couple or the grand entrance. And this is when the MC will inform the guests at the wedding reception that the couple are about to enter the room. So typically, the wedding party attendants enter first. Then the wedding couple will make their grand entrance. And while the music is playing the MC is likely to announce, you know, the couple and introduce them for the first time, such and such. So that's the, the entrance for the couple. So music needs to accompany that. Then there's overall music for dining. So this occurs once 
the green light, the, the banquet manager has signaled that it's time to eat, whether it's a, a quiet announcement that the meal service is about to begin or the MC makes the announcement. Once the food service begins, music should be played throughout the entire meal without interruption. So that's at least an hour's worth of music. And this music should be easy to talk above and not the kind of music that encourages guests to get up and dance, at least not yet. So just background music. And I would gauge about a dozen tunes for every 30 minutes. So that'll let you know how many songs or how many selections need to be ready for the dining portion. And then, of course, for the wedding reception, I shouldn't say, of course, music for dancing, because dancing is not a part of everyone's wedding reception. But when it is, here's the dance music that you need, your clients and you need to consider. The couple's first dance. This is the most important song at the wedding reception. Your clients will remember it for many, many years. So we've got to select something for the first dance. Now, different clients do it different. Different couples do it different ways. Sometimes very romantic. Sometimes you'll see something more upbeat, even where it's synchronized, where the couple has taken dance lesson. It's very choreographed. So it needs some thought because, again, this is the most important song at the wedding reception. And then continuing on with music for dancing, then there are family dances and traditional dances. So after the couple's first dance, it's going to be time for the, fa the father-daughter dance, followed by the mother-son dance. And other combinations may also follow, so including parents of the couple, siblings, and so on. And then once those dances are out of the way, then the rest of the guests are invited by the MC to join the family. So music needs to kick off then. So in general, going on with regard to dance music, the, the dance music needs to be for everyone. The band leader or the band leader or the DJ, and we'll talk about that options for that in a minute. Um, play song selections that are based on your client's preferences. So your your couple will have already spoken or communicated with the band or or the DJ as to what types of songs, what genre of music they want to hear. And but of course, the best dance music at a wedding is music that everyone knows. So you want to encourage your clients to select tunes that span generations so that everyone feels welcome from grandma to your young niece and nephew if you're having kids there so that everyone has fun on the dance floor. And then the last dance. This is the song that signals the end of the reception and the end of the wedding celebration. And this is the time when the MC should invite all the guests to join the couple on the dance floor. So make a big deal. You want to make it a big deal about what the last dance is. Some of the other elements for the wedding ceremony that require music include the cutting of the cake. And this tradition traditionally occurs towards the end of the wedding reception. But depending on the ethnicity for, or, or the local customs, it may actually happen earlier. Another element of the wedding reception that requires music is the bouquet and the garter toss. Both of these traditions also occur toward the end of the wedding reception, or sometimes this will happen as a break during the dancing. So the dancing is going on, and then the MC will announce, we're going to do the garter toss. But most often, a drum roll works really well for the wind-up. Keep all of these wedding elements in mind as you plan your client's wedding. You know, share the advice you've heard today and encourage your clients to stick with music they know and love. That makes the most sense. So let's talk a little bit about finding musicians. Now, my hope is that you have already created a short list of wedding vendors. 
musicians should be on that list too. So that when your clients come along and are ready for you to plan their wedding, you already have a short list to go to. Now, I know that there are several wedding planners, usually new, but not always so new, but wedding planners who don't have ceremony, don't have musician names at hand. And just so that you know what I'm referring to, for the wedding ceremony, your musician might include the, an organist or a pianist, a vocalist, string quartet, harpist, maybe bagpiper, and you've got to be able to find these resources. You need to be able to find those musicians. Again, you should already have a short list. But if you don't, places to find musicians. Check with the ceremony site, especially the house of worship, especially if you're looking for an organist or a pianist. Of course, go online, Google. You can search for the type of musician that you're looking for and enter your city and state or whatever your surrounding area is. Bridal shows are another great place to find any type of vendor. Use that as a resource too. So bridal shows are not just for us wedding planners to find brides, but for me personally, I found a lot of favorite vendors from seeing their booth, from seeing the, from seeing what they their display at a local bridal show. Talk to recently married friends and family members, and that's actually an excellent resource for any type of wedding vendor that you need to um, find out more about. So just ask who clients, who who your family and friends have used for their weddings and special event. Also, another resource which isn't always tapped, but I think would work really well, and I'm saying think because I haven't personally gone that route, is to check the music department of your local universities. And there you'll find not only students who are music students, but of course faculty, because if they're teaching music, they're usually musicians themselves. So these are some great resources to find the musicians that you need. And the process is that you want to be able to listen to samples. Now, if the if the musician is running a business, then there's usually a website in place and you can usually listen that way. If not, it may be a DVD or it may be a CD or it may be a situation where you're, you have an opportunity to, to, to see this, hear this musician perform live and you can attend and hear what they sound like. Nothing beats that. And then you want to narrow it down. Narrow it down to maybe two or three and contact the musicians that you're interested in. So when you do contact them, there are some questions that you have to ask. I won't give you a laundry list, but some of the questions definitely to keep in mind. Ask them, do they have a playlist? So do they have a list of songs that they typically play? And really what I'm referring to here is for the wedding ceremony. Ask them, can they make suggestions for ceremony music? If they're playing ceremony music, then they know. Do they have a specialty or niche? And what I mean by that is, do they play for a special type of, a certain type of ethnicity or certain certain type of wedding? Do they specialize for a lot of Christian weddings or maybe for um, Greek weddings, things like that? Ask them, will they attend the rehearsal? It's really helpful to have musicians at a wedding rehearsal, but in my personal experience, that rarely happens because the musician, quite rightly so, wants to be compensated for that. And my clients usually don't see the value in doing so. Ask your musicians, what will they wear? What do they wear to the weddings? That's important to know. Ask them how soon before wedding ceremony start time do they will they arrive. For a wedding that starts at three, hopefully they're there by two. But you've got to ask that question. Ask them what equipment do they need from you, you or your clients. So is it, do they need chairs? Do they need stools? What do they need? Um, is, and, and this comes into a play, especially if a wedding ceremony is happening outside. Uh, I know the immediate consideration is for inclement weather. You know, if there's rain, the, you know, the, the instruments need to be protected and so forth. But also think about sun. Your 
musicians need to be protected. Their instruments need to be protected. But you want to find out specifically what it is that they require in order to perform. And also, as with any vendor, find out what's their plan B. What happens if they're ill or they're unavailable at the last minute for the wedding? What is the next plan? Because you don't want your clients to be left high and dry. And if you're at a, so these are general questions that you want to ask musicians as you're researching and creating your short list. If you already have a short list of musicians, yay for you. You want to ask specifically for your client with regard to the wedding that you're working on. Ask them, are they open to your client's style or choice of music and songs? So maybe your client has something special that, that isn't traditional, isn't the norm. You want to find out from musicians if they're okay to playing that. And as with any, any professional wedding vendor, you want to ask for and check references. A lot of us ask for references and we don't check. You should check. And of course, there should be a contract. This agreement, once your clients have made the decision, I'm, I'm sorry, I jumped the gun there. So once you've narrowed it down, you, and that's what we've got to do. We have to do the legwork for our clients, right? So once you're, you present to your clients, you know, I found these musicians, I think you might want to make a selection, you know, check, these, check, check out these two options and tell me what you think. Hopefully your clients select one of them because you know them inside out. You know your clients inside out, right? So you're, you're leading them in the right direction. Once they've made the selection for a musician for the wedding ceremony, there needs to be a contract in place. No handshakes. And, you know, the contract needs to specify date, time, instruments that will be played, possibly the selection of songs as detailed as possible. Okay. Talking, let's talk a bit about the wedding reception musician. So musicians really, for wedding reception, it comes down to typically either a DJ or having a band. So when there's a wedding and, and there's a live band, energy is 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 a whole lot different than just having a DJ there. And I'm not voting for one versus the other. I'm just trying to lay out the information for you as best I can. So a band also has a, in most people, a lot of people's mind, there's an element of class when, when, when a band is present at a wedding. And of course, it's, it's that human touch. So the, the band is able to interact with, the, with, with your client's wedding guests. It's just a different vibe altogether. Of course, your clients also have the option of having a DJ for the wedding reception. And this allows the music selection to be a, a much wider, a, a much wider selection of songs in genre music. And the music will be played the way you know and remember it. Of course, for the band, it's that band's interpretation of a song. So band versus DJ. There's also the option for your clients to have both. So maybe they have a band to begin the wedding reception. And then a DJ for the later on or for the after party if they're having one. Or maybe a band for the cocktail reception, DJ for the main reception. Lots of different ways to do it. And in some weddings, you'll see the band playing and then the DJ fills in for when the band is, is taking their intermission, taking their break. Your client then has, has an option with regard to the type of band, the type of music they want to hear. So talking about the band, they want to select something that caters to what their tastes include and also what their guests taste they've got to think of it both ways and i mean different styles of music for a band jazz band motown swing oldies reggae country all those options are available top 40 traditional lots of different options out there and the same thing for dj different styles of dj but also within the genre of music, although a lot of DJs will mix it up. Remember I said when you have a DJ, you have a lot more options for the type of music that's played during the course of the wedding. But then you've got some DJs that are 
doing the old school vinyl. Some people just want to hear or want to see a DJ that's spinning traditional vinyl. So even though we fast forward into an era where we're hearing music on different devices, there are still uh, folks that want to hear a traditional turntable DJ. And then the alternative to that is what I refer to as a laptop DJ. DJ. It's someone who's using different multiple sound sources, different files, MP3 files and so forth to play the music. Of course, your clients also have the option of just creating a playlist themselves or using an iPod. That in my experience, works better for smaller weddings and especially morning or lunchtime weddings where very little, if any, dancing is anticipated. It may not make sense to have a DJ or a band for that type of wedding. And then, of course, the cocktail hour, which is a portion of the wedding reception, you want to have music playing there too. Your clients also have the option of using the ceremony musicians to play for the cocktail hour. That usually works if the ceremony and reception site are at the same place or a very very short distance it's not it sounds good in theory but to have musicians pick up all their stuff and take it all the way over to um, the reception site wherever the cocktail hour is going to be it's a lot of effort the another alternative is to have a few members of if your clients are having the full band for their main for the wedding reception then they can arrange to have just a few members of that band play for the cocktail hour. So instead of having the whole kit and caboodle for the cocktail hour and the wedding reception, they just have maybe a few of the band for the cocktail and then the whole band is there for the reception. Alternatively, your clients could have a completely different band or group. As this is a great way to incorporate a cultural element into the wedding. So for example, maybe they have a steel pan band that's playing at the cocktail hour or a reggae band or something like that, and then have something a little more mainstream for the wedding reception. Speaking of the DJ and the band, your clients also have to decide how involved this person will be. So when I say the band, I'm talking about the band leader. Do they want this person, the DJ or band leader, just to play music? Or do your clients want this person to also make announcements? And this is something your clients need to think think about. In choosing a, a, a DJ, let's get onto that. In choosing a DJ, you want to make sure your clients understand that a club DJ may not be suitable for a wedding. And that happens a lot. I've seen that a lot of weddings that I've attended where the DJ just won't shut up or it's just a different, it's not... It's not something, it doesn't feel very formal. And that's usually because the DJ has been selected based on what he or she, how, how he or she plays music at a completely different type of event, usually not a wedding. You want to make sure your clients are, are, are cognizant of that, especially, especially if they want this person to act in the role of, uh, of MC. By the way, just so that you know, you may already know this, but many bands will work through a booking agent or an entertainment agency. So you're not always dealing with the band leader directly. You're speaking to someone who's representing that group. So there's some things you want to make sure you ask because usually someone who's acting as a booking agent or entertainment agency has other bands in their portfolio. So you have to find out, is the band that I'm seeing in this demo, and, and hopefully you'll have the, the website again or you'll see them perform live, are we going to get this? Are we getting these exact players in this band for our wedding? It's important to ask that. But just in general, you know, make sure whether it's going with band or DJ, find out has this person or group played or performed at a wedding before, as I was alluding to, not very well. Um, 
is that's that's important. That's a big deal. And also find out, you know, will the band or DJ take guest requests? Because inevitably someone's going to ask the DJ or the band leader, can you play such and such? Um, and then, you know, <laughs> that comes into another part we haven't really touched on is, you know, what happens if a guest asks for a song that your clients really don't want played at the wedding? How are they going to handle that? And that's something that a DJ or a band will be familiar with if they've played at weddings before. Some questions to ask um, with regard to equipment is find out from the band or the DJ, you know, have they performed at the venue before, wherever that wedding reception is. If they performed there before, it's a plus, definite plus. Find out also, is there a mic available, hopefully a wireless mic, that they will allow you to be used for uh, for toasts. That's very helpful if they do have that. Ask how they handle overtime. What happens if, you know, things are running over? Will they will they play and how much does that cost and how does all that work, payment and so, so forth? How soon before the reception will they arrive? The music should be playing by the time your guests arrive at the wedding reception site, not watching the band or the DJ load in. Find out, do they use any special lighting? A lot of DJs come with their own lights and bands too, for that matter. But find out what kind of lighting that is, you know, included. And if it's something that you even want at the wedding, how many musicians are in the band? In the case of the band, you know, is it five people on stage? Is it sort of like the earth, wind and fire thing where you've got a whole bunch of people on stage? So find that out. And as with any other professional wedding vendor, get all this in writing. You want to get the actual names of the DJ. A lot of these folks have stage names, DJ Mix-A-Lot. Well, DJ Mix-A-Lot is not the name that should be on your contract. You want the actual name of the DJ or the band members, if that applies, including the key members. Sometimes bands will have different people filling in for different um, elements of the band, but the key members of the band, the, the band that you have seen, the band that you have uh, observed and want for your wedding or your clients want for your, their wedding, should be their name should be on the contract. It's helpful to have must play songs on the contract. It's helpful to have do not play songs and do not play songs as the, as the title implies, are songs that your clients do not want heard at the wedding. And if you do want the the, the band leader or DJ to act in the capacity um, as a, a, of an MC. You make sure you give this person instructions. You want to provide a list of the reception events that we just went through and what needs to be said. For example, if it's the couple's entrance and you've listed the song that should be played for the couple's entrance, you want to explain exactly how their name should be, how they should be introduced. Any unusual spellings, you want to get the pronunciations correct, write it down phonetically and things like that. If there's someone who's going to be giving a blessing for the before the meal, the MC needs to know who that is so he can say or she can say, you know, at this time I'd like to invite uh, the bride's aunt Nora to, you know, say the blessing for the food and things like that. Um, a few things that you want to make sure that you and your client are ready to provide to the musician, um, either for the wedding ceremony or the reception, I'd say about mm, 60 days out. Be prepared to give them a list of the must-play songs, the first dance, and any other special songs, and share any cultural traditions that are going to be included, sort of like the dollar dance or the hura. And then also confirm with the reception site exactly where in the room for the reception, where the band or the DJ will set up. And make sure that the band and or DJ has access to a large door. Very important. Bands and DJs come with a lot of equipment. They need to be able to get their stuff in there. A few pointers 
to, for you to remember. For the wedding ceremony, you have to be ready, the wedding planner, you, to cue the musicians at the wedding ceremony. And you want to discuss this beforehand. So they, someone in that group should be looking at you to know when to change up the music from the processional or maybe they have to loop it over again or whatever. But you you need to be ready to, to cue them in. It's important that your clients feed the wedding reception musicians and DJs. It's not an option. If they're there to play for three, four hours, they need to be fed. And it's also important that you, wedding planner, coordinate when this will happen because clearly it can't happen in the middle of a set for a band. And for the DJ, my in my experience, the best time for the DJ to eat is when the wedding guests are eating because usually it's background music that's playing at that point and it's not something that he or she has to be overseeing. You can sort of loop for a couple of songs and that's a good time for them to eat. Whereas... And with the band, you need to arrange that differently. Your clients do have the option, of course, to use pre-recorded music for their wedding. Nothing wrong with that. For example, on an iPod, on an on an iPod. But just know that a couple of things there that requires sufficient wattage power to maintain the right amount of volume for a wedding ceremony, and especially for wedding reception. Home stereo equipment connected to an iPod usually is not enough. Not for something as huge as a wedding, unless it's a small, intimate wedding, of course, then all bets off. That works just fine. It may work just fine. And trying to crank up the volume gives a distorted sound. So in, again, in theory, that may sound great, but it usually does not work that way. Also, with pre-recorded music, someone needs to run it. And someone needs to know about the song sequence. As a wedding planner, that's not your role. That's not a role for your staff. If it is, then you need to charge for that. But if your clients are insisting on having pre-recorded music and using something like an iPod, they need to have someone to act in a role to monitor that whole thing. And if your clients are using an iPod, it's best for them to have two iPods so that you can sort of, they can bring it, bring one up as the other fades so they avoid having an, you know, a, a a track just stop abruptly. You know what I mean? Songs playing, then it stops. And then you've got to go on to the next one. A playlist, if the, a playlist has been created for the wedding, that may work, but usually only for certain situations. So like for background music or for the prelude or for the postlude, it just kind of loops or for the cocktail hour or while guests are dining. Those are great times to have playlists, but usually for the wedding itself, for the dancing and for the main elements, it doesn't work really well. Again, unless someone is there to run it or to man it. Again, sounds good in theory, but in my experience, it doesn't work very well unless it's a much smaller wedding. Just so you know, space-wise, for the musicians, uh, especially at the wedding ceremony, each musician, this is a good rule of thumb, takes up the space of about three people who are seated and facing each other comfortably. Just think about that. Three people sitting in chairs, each one sitting in a chair, and they're all facing each other comfortably. That's about as much space as one one musician takes up. It's enough space for the, for the musician, his or her instrument, and any other equipment. So think about that when you're considering space for the wedding ceremony for the musician area. That's a good rule of thumb for you. Keep in mind that musicians need to be able to see the action. If not, how will they get their cues? Remember, we talked about that. You or your staff need to be able to give the musicians their cues. But if they can't see what's going on, that's difficult. Or, and, and you may say, well, as long as they can see me, that's important. Even if you are supplying the cues, it's just much easier if they can see what is going on. If they can see that, you know, the, 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 the 
wedding party hasn't quite got to the aisle yet or that the wedding party walks so quickly they're already at the at the altar time to change the music up for the bride's entrance so make sure they can see what's going on and also make sure that the musicians can see their music if the wedding is outdoors you know will the will they will the musicians be facing the sun if so that's not good they can't see or if it's a very a sort of like a candlelight ceremony and the it's a very dark romantic setting that may create a problem for the musicians if they cannot see their music. So letting them know that ahead of time, then they'll either bring their own lighting or maybe you can arrange to have a spotlight. And that's actually a nice effect to have the musicians um, spotlight. So something to think about and make sure that there's power available, whether you're dealing with musicians or a band or a DJ. They need power. A lot of times they may need power. So you have to make sure that's your job, wedding planner, to make sure that's in place. So, you know, just know that music plays a central role at a wedding and it can create long lasting memories. Most married women can easily recall two songs from their wedding many, many years after their wedding day. So encourage your clients to select the music that they love and to give some thought into creating a really great playlist, a really great soundtrack for their wedding. But, but I'll end on this. If you are dealing with a last minute wedding or your clients just aren't that picky about music selection, here's all you need to find out. These four questions will help you. Number one, do you want to walk down the aisle to Here Comes the Bride or something else? Question two, ask, what style of music do you want for the rest of your wedding ceremony? Classical music, modern pop love songs, or religious hymns? Third question, what song do you want played for your first dance? And then the fourth, last question, what style of music do you want for the rest of your reception? And that's it. Music selection can be as easy as that. Or, as we've discussed, your clients can be much more involved and create much more detail for the soundtrack. So I'm in favor of trying to get your clients to be more involved. But again, we're there to help and it may not be the big may not be a big deal for them at all. Or it may just there just isn't enough time. So stick with those four questions. And just so you know, the show notes for today's episode will be available on weddingsforaliving.com. This is episode 396. So weddingsforaliving.com slash 396. You can listen to the replay and of course any notes that accompany today's episode. Well, that's about it. I hope you've learned something new today. If you are in the business of wedding planning or if you are in the business of planning weddings, Weddings for Living is created just for you. So in addition to the episodes that you're listening, the episode that you're listening to now, there are several archived episodes on weddingsforliving.com. You'll also find articles and and recently an updated or rather comprehensive wedding glossary. So if there's a term that you're not familiar with or you're just curious about some of the terms that are available, go over to WeddingGlossary.com and you'll be able to see a list of the frequently updated glossary just for wedding planners. Okay? All right. Well, thank you for joining me. I'm Debbie Quain. I look forward to talking to you soon. Any questions or comments, please visit WeddingsForLiving.com. And again, today's episode is WeddingsForLiving.com slash 396. I'll talk to you soon. 